This is the Three Towns podcast. It was first published in late 2020 for the first anniversary of the Black Summer Fires. And tonight we are cooking spuds, or we're not, Riviera Garages and Barns, a local business with their suppliers, Stramit, are cooking spuds for us. So people have described this as the only place to gather in Sarsfield. It, it looks like it's becoming a crucial, uh, I guess, hub uh, yeah. for, for how people get through this stage. Yep, so it is the only place and it's also not fire impacted, which is one of the reasons why we opened the doors to the hall um, about five days post-fire as a drop-in centre for three weeks straight. Um, that's Joe yeah, Andrews that's and we're in the Recreation Hall in Sarsfield in East Gippsland. This is way back in March, in a country before COVID. Welcome to Three Towns, I'm Matthew Abud. Um, this is something that existed before or it's in response to the fires? How, how do you think the things are changing post-fires yeah. now? So before the fires, we had quarterly get-togethers as a community and we put out over 250 flyers to our residents and we had about 30 people rock up every three months to have dinner with us. Um, so we've seen a drastic change in, I guess, that community spirit and connectivity. And the vibe will get stronger tonight as more people arrive. You'll definitely feel it. It's a really positive environment to be in. In February, my original idea was to visit some East Gippsland communities and gather stories about the different ways they were coming together. It didn't happen like that because, well, COVID, of course. I didn't get to talk to Joe or anyone else in Sarsfield again until late October and November. When we did meet, it was in the Sarsfield Rec Hall once more, which, as you can hear, was pretty empty this time around. The anniversary of the fires was coming up and memories were vivid. We have an amazing view of um, the bush towards Clifton Creek in Sarsfield, and that's where the fire front came from. And you can just see the whole day that smoke plume building. Um, you knew it was incredibly serious. I guess there was a slight level of surrealism with that because um, the picture was something unlike I'd ever seen. I'd certainly seen smoke and lived through that sort of stuff in the 2003, but not this close to our house. So very early the next day, as in we still had burning things, um, myself and my brother did a uh, recce out to my parents' farm which required us to go down the highway and um, all, nearly all the properties on Coach Road were all gone and still smouldering. And I guess there was a bit of, um, a little bit of disbelief in the fact that it had been, that it had happened, but at the same time there wasn't because you could just see that it was going to be a really horrible situation for us in Sarsfield. Sarsfield endured big losses from Black Summer, with 73 homes destroyed and over 200 impacted by fire. That's nearly three quarters of all homes in a community of 625 residents. Half the local landscape burned. There's no shop or pub or main street. The local school closed in the 90s. But there is the recreation hall and sports ground. By Black Summer, Joe Andrews had been Rec Reserve and Rec Hall Secretary for a couple of years. In her own words, it had been a low-key role. That changed pretty quickly after the fires. I think about a day or two after that, the Lucknow Hall started mobilising with food relief. 
And I dropped into there on the way home and just said, oh, we have a hall at Sarsfield that's not used. If you need somewhere to distribute from, let me know. My name's Joe. blah, blah. And within 15 minutes, I got a call back to say, we've got 150 food relief bags coming to you now. Go across the hall. So um, the first thing that I really started to engage with the community on was um, helping unload 150 food relief bags. What are we going to do with these? So that's where it started, and then very rapidly evolved from there. From my point at my side, um, I've been organising volunteers coming down and coordinating for the people of Sarsfield who need help and need assistance um, between what jobs they have and what volunteers are coming down and what their skills and trades are as to what they can do and where they can help. So this is like tradies for fire affected communities, it's like blaze aid, it's all of that. That's right, yeah, so um, tradies for fire affected communities and also East Gippsland community support. Um, they're the tradies that come down each weekend, but I was also um, talking with... That's Amy Fisher. Listening to this now brings back the energy of the immediate recovery, everyone pitching in, people coming from everywhere to help out. These scenes also recall the adrenaline that was helping drive everybody's efforts and the shock that was, of course, behind that. Before the fire, Amy prepared her house as best she could and sent her kids to stay in Bansdale nearby. She joined her partner on his farm when the fire hit. Coming back next morning, she was sure her house had gone. Everything was black and everything was still smoking um, and trying to get to my house from there. There was trees all over the road, so it was driving sort of weaving in and out between trees just to even get to my house. And um, as we went up the hill and turned off to my my area, we could see the houses up the top. I was like, okay. And as we drove down, I saw the house and I was just, I was relieved and overwhelmed and just teary. I was, didn't know I had all the emotions all in one. <laughs> It was, you know, it was fantastic, but then you think of, oh, how many people lost their places, and I was so happy to have my house, but at the same time kind of felt terrible for everyone else. It didn't take long for Amy to come by the hall. We'd had a few people going around trying to loot after the fires, so some people had become very untrusting. So we uh, ended up getting some high-vis shirts and going door-to-door and dropping off bags of stuff and trying to collect a database of names and who was still in the area and to letting them know that this was open so they could drop in and also um, be contacted so when things turned up we sort of got to know who was in the house who'd lost their house what you know that kind of stuff had they been directly impacted by the fires and um, so Joe did a lot a lot, a lot of work around that. So many people joined the whole efforts, many of whom had never met before. The way things panned out, Joe and Amy are the only two I got to sit down with for a longer conversation. Joe talks about how they had to continually adjust the ways they provided support, depending on where the community was at. At first it was delivering donations, then having the hall as a drop-in centre, and then a big community day. All that takes enormous energy from people who had themselves endured a lot. And so then we, then it evolved that everyone was 
really, really tired and hungry and hadn't eaten anything but takeaway in weeks and um, really needed a break. So then it evolved to, well, let's provide food and um, give everyone a really hearty meal once a week. Free, come and, you don't even have to stay if you don't want to, just come and eat and go home if you don't want to talk to people. The other aspect that came into it, it connected um, people that wanted to help in a way that they might not have been able to. So we did the first dinner, as in Sarsfield people, but from then on, we only did one other dinner and the rest were hosted by um, people that wanted to come in and cook for us for free. And that was, and we tend to have international cuisine. So it was really special and yummy and fun. Grant Woods, Birmingham Sheds in Bensdale and Sale. Tonight we've done chicken sticks for entree. We're doing baked spuds. We've got pulled pork, spaghetti bolognese. A friend of ours catered about four weeks ago. Then I got a phone call from our suppliers and they said, look, we've got a few people we'd like to send up there for some volunteering and stuff. And um, here we are. The community would get together on a Friday night, have a feed, have a bullshit, just relax, let your hair down. And, um, you know, it wasn't always fire talk. Just being able to talk to someone who'd sort of been in a similar, might not have been, you know, exactly the same because no one's experiences are the same on what they go through but sometimes hearing someone else's experience it's kind of helpful to go yeah you know what it, it's been a shit time and it's not just me and you know maybe they're coping better than what you are that doesn't matter it's that you've got someone else there that who knows what it's like and it's okay to not be okay it was a helpful way to, I guess, grieve over certain things and even just being able to know what's out there support-wise, um, having that other, another person to just bounce things off. Stan Parker, um, I'm president of the Lakes Entrance Garden Club. What we're offering tonight is if people want to come, we've got three acres of gardens, Everything's free, so they can go through and pick what plants. We'll have people there that will help them do that. I think native plants are terrific in a garden. They attract the birds. They're just amazing. Many people hardly knew their neighbours before the fires, and now they do. This is the really striking and wonderful thing, mentioned by almost everybody I met in Sarsfield. But this same Friday night dinner was the last one before COVID restrictions hit. It's created the fracture again. It feels a lot like the bushfires has been forgotten because COVID has now come about. Um, and there was always going to be that next thing, but with it happening so quickly and, and so it's such a massive thing, it, it, it took over a lot of the focus or all of the focus. There was so much energy and time that went into those dinners. I guess we were we were needing to think about what our future strategy was going to be anyway. And this really unfortunately stopped it in its tracks sooner than what we'd thought, which was, I guess, a shock to people, really. They didn't have that opportunity. We looked at ways to provide food takeaway packs, but then at the same time, I think the, the, the 
the energy and the adrenaline that comes from the fires was really starting to wear off and it just probably hit everyone and everything stopped. COVID put the brakes on and prevented people gathering just when many still greatly needed to do that. But those involved with the hall kept trying to find ways to provide support. I couldn't handle the concept that someone that's been through the fires has to fight for a roll of toilet paper at the toilet. After all, at the supermarket, after all this, that is horrible. So I couldn't say no to the offer of toilet paper or food or staples like rice and flour. So at one point we had boxes nearly up to the roof in that whole centre area um, full of groceries that we then had to go and make into food packs. So we had a few people here and we spent uh, many hours walking around in circles, making food packs for everyone. Other donations kept coming, with one group in Trerelgan, through a supporter named Dawn, sending goods to Amy Fisher. But the hall couldn't keep holding all of that. After the fires, I got a new carport and shed built because my carport um, was is gone now and it's um, not being used for me. It's all donated stuff. It's like an op shop in there. <laughs> Um, I've got this new beautiful shed and I can't use it. I can't put my cars in there. Um, Peter Williams from Deloitte, he ended up sourcing the shipping container with for me. Um, that'll be, hopefully I'll be putting everything in there next week. And then I've got an online booking system and people book in so I know it's got that COVID tracing. COVID brought a whole extra layer of problems, but its effects weren't uniform. I think for individuals, their experiences with COVID are all completely different. Certainly in the earlier days, some people actually appreciated not needing to go out and not having to explain their story to others and um, an opportunity to have some downtime. And others, I guess they felt like they became isolated. For myself, um, I guess it gave me a chance to breathe and take a step back from everything because it had been a crazy ride. Donations and other support are critical, but they're not enough for the long haul. That needs community structures that can deal with government bureaucracies. Setting up committees and working out how they should operate, that's a slow grind. But it's needed if community voices are going to drive what happens. Previously, you know, I have worked, as I said, at government and I've talked a lot about community consultation in my government roles. Now being in it, you can see the value of community-led recovery and you can see that community knows stuff that agencies don't know. Just like agencies know stuff, community don't know. So I think for our community, we need to um, develop what that vision of community looks like and, and make it happen. From the very early days, we had butcher's paper up around the hall that looked at immediate, short, long-term priorities for our community recovery and also individual because there's also that separation, what an individual within Sarsfield needs versus what the community needs. So we've been gathering ideas and priorities about what we want recovery to be and then how you deliver that was going to be more about a community collaboration. We've been just trying to navigate through the expectations the government have of community recovery committees, um, how you talk in that space, what funding's available, all the applications. Um, so there's a whole lot of just that admin, not so much fun stuff that you need to work through. So we've kind of sorted through a lot of that now and it's onto the stuff that people do want to talk about, which is their priorities and getting money and making things happen. This is also something you hear in different places. The work of community-led recovery puts a strain on disaster-hit communities themselves. Sarsfield only elected the members for its ongoing community association 
in November 2020. Up until then, Joe was secretary for the recovery committee. I feel relatively comfortable about where we are, but we definitely need to bring the community back together in some way soon, and that's where um, I am really hoping through the Sarsfield Community Association we have a bit of an injection of energy and some new ideas and people to help keep progressing things. Um, the people that have been involved to date have been really committed to the task. It's been a hard slog though, and I feel like, um, well, for myself personally, we've, we've set up everything and the next, per next group can really take with it and run with it. And I would feel like we'd achieve success if we were able to have a community event here again. One where we didn't have to watch our numbers. Even if it was circles all over the lawn for individual picnic spots for families. Um, and making those sorts of ideas happen under this new world that we find ourselves in, the COVID world, I think are going to be really important. Along with hard times and real trauma, responding to the fires has brought Sarsfield's creativity and heart to the fore. But it needed the simple fact of the recreation hall to happen, a community space and one untouched by the fire. It's hard to escape the thought that every community, no matter how small, needs something like this. You could say it's as much a part of disaster preparedness as anything else. That initial focal point created here has enabled that community vibe to filter back out into the community and um, you know there's WhatsApp groups for certain streets within Sarsfield um, to build that local community and that may not have happened if people hadn't have got to know each other here. It would have made life even more unbearable without having a centralised place that you could go to felt like a safe place so I think without having this here would have made it even harder so um, what what they were able to do here brought the community together thanks for listening this is three towns I'm Matthew Abud Thanks to Spoonbill for the theme music. You can find a link to his work on the episode website. And thanks to Daniel Bowden and to Steve Adam for sound design and engineering support. This is a real community event and we're just so privileged to be a part of what's happening tonight. But it reminds me, this community, of, of just a great big family and that's what this song is. We are family.